Welcome to the Gamers Over 50 podcast. This week, we're going to talk about board games that are not Candyland, Checkers, Monopoly, Connect Four, Operation. We're going to talk about some new board games where we can find out information about board games, where I did a lot of research about board games, uh, what types of board games there are, what are the mechanics of board games, and why are they important. And then we're going to do some reviews of some games for the holidays. Uh, so if my kids are listening, turn it off right now so you don't know your presence. I'm just kidding. Or am I? So I do want to first say I apologize. I've been a few extra days off, and hopefully I do sound better. Uh, I've got a new microphone, so we'll see how that works out. And I had to put a lot of energy into this one because I apparently did not know a lot about board games. And this is awesome because I think there's a lot of folks that are in our demographic of over 50 that, you know, we've played a lot of board games in our life. We've played a lot of Monopoly. We've played, you know, Trivial Pursuit became a big one. And, you know, I'm going to actually talk about one of the Trivial Pursuits here. And this is a, a podcast to really help us kind of understand you know, what are new games? Where can we find them? Where can I learn stuff about them? Maybe I want to play something or, you know, I've always been interested, but, you know, board games can kind of get expensive if you're buying one or two a week and you really, you know, you also have a place to store those. So, you know, this is a a podcast for this week to really kind of get into the depth of what, what kind of board games are, where can I find them? Where can I learn more about them? Um, And then some cool kind of places also to play them. All right. So I did a majority of my research this week on Board Game Geeks, also called BGG or Bravo Gamma Gamma. And Board Game Geeks is a website that when I started asking my friends who are really into board games and play a lot of board games, thanks, Nick and Wayne, they were both said, I said, hey, what site should I go to? Both of them first thing out of their mouth, BGG, Board Game Geeks. Um, Taking a little bit off of their site, and I am going to reference stuff straight from their site because we're going to talk about it. Uh, But Board Game Geeks is an online board gaming resource and community. The site is updated on a real-time basis by its large and still-growing user base, including myself, making the geek the largest and most up-to-date place to get gaming information. There is no charge to register. I can tell you that. As a member of, of BGG, although you are certainly encouraged to help improve the site by adding your own reviews and thoughts on games to the existing database. So really, this is a site built and asked to develop the community, and the community develops the site. It brings out reviews, talks about new games, all the way through. So really awesome site, great resource. It, it may seem a little bit intimidating when you first get there. But it's really awesome because let's just say when you log in, there's a search bar up in the upper right-hand corner. Put your favorite game in up there and just see what's about. I'll go into that. I would also uh, suggest you know, logging in because if you log in, you're going to be able to add games to the database. You can add images. You can post messages in the forum, which means like, hey, I'm deciding to play a new game and this is the kind of game I like to play. Anybody got some suggestions? And you'll get a bunch out there. I actually put one out there, and it helped me pick out a game that I reviewed this week that I decided to buy for a family. Now, the reason why you want to do that, you want to register, is so you can do so you can go out and do those things. Uh, you can get a newsletter every week, which is kind of cool. They have a re- I've gotten it for two weeks now. It is really good. 
I really like this site uh, from the gaming perspective of board games in general. It is fantastic. So the other types of things out there, um, and speaking of types, are types of board games. Ha, ah, it's a board game site. Um, but did you know that there are 84 different types of board games per BGG? I'm not going to read you all 84. I'm going to give you three. Um, and they're going to be pretty three easy, three easy ones that you may have, when you hear about it, you may have played. So you have adventure games. And these awesome, awesome games often have themes of heroism. So you're doing heroic methods, exploration and puzzle solving. And who doesn't like things like that? I mean, you can go from the fantasy, the sci-fi, you can do a historical games. There are a lot of games that go through history and include historical or geographical, sorry, geographical locations. Um, Really, there's a storyline behind, you know, these types of adventure games Sometimes, again, like I said, they have fantastical elements. They could have historical elements as well. And your characters are going to be in some kind of quest. Again, that's the adventure games. Next is bluffing games. Now, if you're one of those folks that's really good at poker and you have a good poker face, or if you don't, or if you like to get folks together and see if somebody has a good poker face or who doesn't, bluffing games will give you that. And they they encourage players to use deception to achieve their aims. Okay. So it sounds worse, like a deception. Now, it means that you're going to be playing a game and maybe somebody is playing a certain role and that person who's playing that certain role is the person that everybody's trying to figure out who it is. If you're good at kind of playing that kind of thing, great. If you're not, it's still going to be fun and you're going to get some laughs out of it. Um, The neat thing about bluffing games is there is hidden information in them. So you may not know something or everybody may not know something. So that adds some uh, fun to it. Then the fact, the uh, last one, and I was starting to read the word right before I said it. The last one is abstract strategy games. They are sometimes, but not always, themeless. They don't have a storyline, which means you're just doing something. And that something may not have a story behind it, or maybe you're building a story. They are built on a simple or straightforward design and mechanic. So there's not, right, that's, it's a game that's just here's what we're doing. And if you do this, you'll win. Um, I will tell you checkers really makes me think about that. Uh, but there are games that aren't checkers that are like that as well. It is perfect for information type games or games that promote one player overtaking their opponents, getting more points, getting more resources, something to that effect. And there really are little to no elements of luck, chance, or random occurrence. Uh, I would actually add, and I thought about this for a little bit, is potentially like a Trivial Pursuit could fit into this, or a trivia game, because there isn't a story, and one person has to win so they get more questions or points or something to that, right? Uh, This is an information game. And there's really the only element of luck is by rolling the dice or or getting the questions that maybe fit your perfection. So my friend Kate, who is a geographer, is not allowed to play Trivial Pursuit where she can answer geography questions. She only can answer sports questions there. I'm kidding, Kate. But it is something that it's I've always told her, I'm like, I'm not playing with you because you master and you own a category of Trivial Pursuit. Not fair. So that would be an, you know, an abstract strategy. So those are the types of games that are out there. Now, inside of each one of those games are game mechanics. And game mechanics 
Are the methods invoked, and this is from BDG, you're going to love this, methods invoked by agents designed for interaction with the game state, thus providing gameplay. I'm going to deconstruct this. These are the, and I'm going to use the word methods, but also methods, tools, steps that an agent, either the people playing the game or the game itself, the game may have a uh, random you know, player that's built into it, designed to interact with the game state. So the interaction of the game state is to play the game or play on the board or play within the rules. And then that means you play games. So what's interesting about mechanics, so we had 84 types of board games. We have 173 types of game mechanics per BGG. Some of those, and this will be my kid's favorite, is rock, paper, scissors. And if you're a Big Bang Theory, rock, paper, scissors, lizard, lizard Spock would also be included in that. Um, but also singing, dice rolling, command cards. So these are cards that tell you to do something. Income and movement points. So you move, while you roll a dice, you get movement points. So the mechanics are what really make up the game. And what I love about it, and I'm gonna actually, I included the mechanics and I included the type in my game review this week because it gives you an idea of how you play the game. So if you've ever seen a game and you're like, oh, that's a cool, you know, neat graphic on the front of it. And it says it's a strategy game. Well, how do you, you know, what are some of the things you do in that strategy game? Well, going to BGG, looking the game up, you can say, oh, that's the strategy. And it may even gives you a level of gameplay. And I have a bit of the description in there. Now, something else that's actually out on BGG that's really cool. And these are the next two things are the coolest parts of what I found on BGG are the game designers. And these are the folks that create the game. They create the gameplay. They do the graphics. They build the stories. They design the pieces. They talk about the evolution of it. They take the game to different places. You can actually, you know, like we talked um, earlier in the podcast about Settlers of Catan. We talked about there's a Game of Thrones version of Settlers of Catan. Somebody developed that. Somebody created that. Somebody built the art for that. So there were 149 pages of designers. And I believe it's 50 designers a page. It could be 25 designers a page. But even 149 where it's 10 designers are a ton of folks that have contributed, and I would say their life's work, their creativity, their intelligence, their humor, and their love of board games so that we can play board games. So we can have a lot of board games. There are tons of board games. I remember when I was a kid, I would go and there's basically you know, there would be an aisle where it would be, you know, board games. And mind you, this will age me, of course. And then the other half was Legos. Now there's like 10 aisles of Legos. And there's a whole aisle of games. And it's stacked to the top. So those are the folks. These are the people. These are the, the dreamers, as we would call them, who are creating these games. And, and it's so cool to go out and maybe look at a game that you like and then go learn a little bit about the person that created the game. In the future, we're going to have a few game designers on the podcast. So look forward to them. And if you are a game designer and you want to be on the podcast, reach out to me and we will uh, we'll get you on there. Now, the last part, and this is, of course, our favorite part, because this is where I butcher foreign languages on accident. I feel horrible about it. So I feel one day I need to go to those countries and have penance and explain to people that I'm very sorry and play games with them. 
Uh, but this is the Game Honors and Awards. Now, it's a really important thing to have Game Honors and Awards because then we know that game had awesome gameplay or the mechanics of the game were great or the storyline of the great or it was a game that everybody really loves from a certain group. So you have a lot of different games that are out there. You have the Games Magazine has their awards, obviously. You have the Golden Geek Award. And then coming from Germany, and I apologize to all our German friends out there, you have Spiel des Jahres. So if I said it right, thank you. If I didn't say it right, I apologize. Now, I know from uh, going in one year of German that Spiel means play. So I have now got to go figure out what Jahres means. Um, but they have so many categories under the Spiel des Jahres. Again, so many apologies uh, that you can you can go out and take a look at. And that what what's really cool is a lot of great strategy games come out of Europe. Really good rewards to look at. All right. Also, we have, I'm so sorry again to the people of Germany, Deutscher Spielpreis. So I'm wondering if that's the German play or game press. I hope it is. If not, I just... I apologize again. So sorry. And then, all right, coming out, we have the As the Or or the Golden Ace Awards. The people of Mensa have their own awards. And actually, what's kind of neat is you can go out and see the people from Mensa that have created games. Uh, Mensa is that uh, group that is super intelligent people that they have to take this really hard test. I have uh, never taken it because I don't want to feel silly. I probably would do okay in it because I like to play games and solve puzzles and stuff. But uh, folks at Mensa there, the Origins Award. And then I apologize to all our Swedish folks and friends and listeners one day. Arets Spell. And I'm hoping the spell is Spiel maybe. Um, and then from Portugal, Spiel Portugal. Yay, that was the easy one. But those are the games and the honors. Those are the people who you'll look and say, this is the new, brand newest, cool game that won the great awards this year. The other thing is when you're looking at a game review and you go down and you notice there are 30 different awards won by a game, you know that's a good game. Not only just from the reviews, from what you read on the gameplay, but you kind of get that further validation on it. Now, the last piece is, where can I go buy games? Play games. Now everybody knows you can go to the Amazon or Target or Walmart, the game, you know those places. But there are some cooler places to go get your games. Now, one obviously are the game stores. If you have not been into a board game store, I suggest if you're interested in board games and you want to get a very positive opinion about a game you might be interested in, head over to the board game store now. When you go to Home Depot and you're looking for like double-sided tape or a special epoxy that won't stick to your hands and make your thumbs stick to your forefinger or something like that, or you're looking for a type of wood, you go and ask the experts. And they're there to help you pick out items. At a board game store, not only are those folks experts, they play the games, they know the games, they talk to everybody who plays those games. And if you're lucky and you go into a board game store and you notice some tables in the back of the board game store, they actually have gameplay nights where maybe people come in and play board games together. I have seen uh, meetup groups with board games and everybody meets at a Starbucks or they meet at, uh, you know, I've seen it at a church or there are different clubs and, and 
you know, you may notice that your your kids at school have a board game group. You can also be that person in the neighborhood that says, hey, and put it on the neighborhood Facebook page. Hey, I found this new great board game at the board game shop. Would folks like to come over and play? But originally start, I usually say when I see board tables in the back of a board game store, that's a store that people know about board games and they play a lot of board games. So that's one place. The next place is when you go to a games or board games convention or con. And I'm hoping to go to OrcaCon this year. I'm really excited. That's a shout out to OrcaCon. I'm more, more excited for, I think, I, just going and seeing it all and, and talking to folks and learning more about board games because just the scratching the surface of what I've learned on BGG has been fantastic. It's really cool stuff. But you can go to a convention where you can talk to people who develop the games. The designers are there. Or you can find the person who designed a certain game with, a certain level of uh, you know art in it that you really like. And maybe there's a, a TV show you like, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Battlestar Galactica or Star Wars or Star Trek, uh, Game of Thrones. I could keep going for a while. Uh, comic book, Marvel, DC games. And you could find you know a game, but you could talk to the person who developed it and ask questions. Or maybe you've been playing a game for a while and you've always wondered something. You can ask them a question. Really cool stuff. Or... Yeah, if you're like me and you're kind of get to be a fan person, you can actually, hey, will you sign my board game for me? Uh, it's not weird. It's perfectly wonderful and fine. And it's cool if you do that. All right. So those are the, the first two places. The third one is you may find a bookstore. So a lot of smaller bookstores uh, do have a board game section. I know of one in Seabrook, Washington that has it. And I butcher their name every time. I'm not even going to try to say their name correctly. Uh, but I will actually, I was hoping to do a, a podcast out there where we play a board game together one day with some folks and just bring a couple games in and see what people never played games, how quickly they can play it, pick up a game. Uh, but you can go to a bookstore and find that. And I'm not talking like your big giant bookstores. I'm talking about your smaller bookstores. You may find stuff. Now, a great place that I've gone to and I found some games um, is actually down at Powell's in Portland, huge bookstore, giant bookstore is there. So there's a bookstore. The last place, and this is a place that let's say, you know what? You can't buy new. I get it. I've had, I don't actually prefer not to buy new. I like to get used sometimes. Is you can head over to your Goodwill or to a thrift shop and they will actually have games because people may have gotten a game and they're like, well, you know, I really didn't like this sequence game which is a game that a lot of people I know play. My kids play it. My parents play it. I've played it. And, you know, or we had too many games and now I'm, you know, I'm taking a couple games and sending them back so that we don't, uh, I don't, you know, I don't have any space. I'm giving them, donating them to charity. You can get that game there. So there's some places where you can go get some games. Uh, definitely, definitely take a look. And you can actually buy the game over at the first shop and make it back. Or sometimes when you buy the games at board game stores, they'll allow you to take it back. Take a look at their return policy. And remember, those are folks that are really into game, board games. Ask them questions. You know, even the people in the bookstore ask questions. They know a lot about those games and they can help out. All right, that brings us to our game reviews. Now, every one of my game reviews, and I've made my children leave the house, are games that I have bought or am rebuying for my family for Christmas. So these are games that I'd actually went and did a lot of research on. I was like, hmm, this, you know, this is a list of 15 to 20 games going on BGG. And I went down and I kind of put them all 
into a list. I sat down and then my wife and I actually kind of sat down and said, hey, what are Google games? What do you think everybody will like or that we'll play together? Um, because we play a lot of Settlers Catan and other games. And I'm like, I, I, let's branch out and get another cool game and you know, open up those creative mindsets for our kids. So the first one is Pandemic. Now, Pandemic's type of game is a family and strategy game because, again, multiple types. The category of the game is medical, obviously. And the mechanisms, and I'm going to read these because I have mechanisms description. I'm going to read them verbatim right off of BGG. Are It's a cooperative game for set collection, which means you're collecting something, and you have point-to-point -point movement, which you go from one point to the other, easy enough, and there's some others. So there are like six or seven with this. The description on BGG is, in pandemic, several virulent diseases have broken out simultaneously all over the world. The player is a disease-fighting specialist whose mission is to treat disease hotspots while researching cures for each of the four plagues before they get out of hand. Now, I kind of enjoy the survival games. I like the thought process of it. I like that kind of television. It's interesting to me. This is one of the survival games where you can get a cure. So you can actually save everybody instead of everybody kind of like, you know, having you realizing it's a war of attrition. Um, this is a very awesome game because it is considered one of the best in gameplay. It really has a cool strategy that you're trying to solve a problem. And has some fun in it with, you know, hey, I'm being chased by zombies. Of course, that's always fun. Uh, the the other thing is, like I said, you're, you're curing disease. But the other thing is, I've watched other people play this. And it is always, it's like people are like, yeah, I got this. And you always hear like positive noises and happiness coming out. Not like, oh, you shook my battleship. So, you know, this is one of those games I've got my kids. The next one is, and you'll probably notice if you if you like to play board games, I'm picking out games that are pretty popular, but they're not like the Monopolies. They're the next level of cool popular, like, you know, they're right there with Catan and stuff. The next one is Ticket to Ride. The type is it's a family game, which is awesome. The category is Trains, which our oldest son would have loved probably about, you know, eight years ago when we could do nothing but go ride trains all the time. It was so much fun. Every weekend. Oh, just kidding. Um, that's horrible. Hopefully he doesn't listen to that. But really the mechanisms that are built into Ticket to Ride are card drafting, management of your hand, so management of your cards, network and route building, so you're going to be building kind of in a line, not all over the place, and set collection. So that means you're collecting the entire set or similar items. Now the description per BGG is with elegantly simple gameplay, Ticket to Ride can be learned in under 15 minutes. Players collect cards of various types of train cars that they use to claim railway routes in North America. The longer the route, the more points they earn. Additional points come to those who fulfill a destination ticket and goal cards that connect distant cities and to the player who builds the longest continuous route. Really cool game because not only are you trying to build your train track and your train route, but you're also trying to fulfill, again, those destiny cards. So, so let's say I'm working and I notice, hmm, in St. Louis and I need to get to Arizona and I realize I have that destination, I'm going to get extra points. So you really are driven by not just what you can do, but what you want to do in this game, which is a lot of fun. And I think it challenges people to think out of the box a little bit, which is great because you really love that the personal choice I make now is going to affect me in the future. And how can I make one that may not affect me horribly or maybe incredibly advantageous to me? 
Um, again, this is another game we're going to buy. I actually bought it, the, the actual board game, and I picked it up on our iPad because we're getting ready to take a trip before holidays. We're going to be flying, and I really think this will be a fun game for us to play on an airplane and, and instead of just always worrying about what's happening, looking out the windows. It'll be great. All right. The next couple of games you probably have heard, and if you haven't, awesome. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you heard, you've heard the fourth one. Apples to Apples is the third one we're going to talk about now. Apples to Apples is a game that you can play with anyone who can read the card or you can whisper in their ear all the way up to the oldest person you've ever met. As long as they can look at the card or somebody can whisper in the ear what the card says, it is the type of game. It's a party game. It is a card game with humor. And it again, category is a party game. And I will guarantee you the humor factor. If you don't laugh a lot playing apples to apples, you're playing it wrong. And I don't know how you could play it wrong. Well, actually, I do, because I'll explain the game here in a second. The mechanisms, again, hand management. You're going to be managing your cards. There is a player judge, so one person picks the winner. And you all play together at the same time. Everybody plays. And, and the description will explain this. So the party game Apples to Apples consists of two decks of cards, things, and descriptions. Each round, the active player or the player who is the judge draws a description card which has features in it like an, act an adjective like hairy or swarmy. From that deck, then the other players secretly choose a card, the thing card. So they could probably have, I think it's start with five thing cards in your hand. So now you have to say something's hairy or something's swarmy. I think hairy would be much more kind of hilarious. So after they do that, they set their cards all down. You mix them up. And then the, the active player or the judge reveals these cards and chooses the thing card that, in their opinion, best matches the description card. So it could be Harry, and you have Bigfoot, or you have a bear, or you have Uncle Gene. No, no, Uncle Gene. Poor Uncle Gene. Um, I don't have an Uncle Gene. I just have always picked on the, like Gene Shallot because he had a huge bushy mustache, uh, which I now have a huge bushy mustache, so I can't really say much. But, you know, you pick something that's like Harry, and, you, and it's a great game because you could put something in there like Gene Shallot, and people will laugh. Or you could say, you know, my dad. Uh, things like that, or Harry. I don't know if he is. But it's a really, really good game that it, everybody can play. It's one that you can actually just take the decks with you, and I'm hoping to take those decks on that airplane when we go somewhere. Or if I had been in college, and I was on a team, and we would, we'd go on the bus every so often somewhere or we'd have a trip in a van. I would have loved to have apples and apples because you could just basically play this in your lap and everybody has a good time. It's really a game. And it, it's built on the card games that are built like this. Now, there are some other ones like Cards Against Humanity. We're going to talk about that. It's an adult game. Do not let your five-year-old play it. It's like taking your five-year-old to one of those uh, Friday the 13th movies on Halloween and thinking, oh, I'm going to indoctrinate them. It's cool. Don't do that. Don't take them to that movie. Don't let them play Cards Against Humanity. All right. The last one, and this is a game we've actually, we're buying a second copy of it because we've used the first copy so much, is Trivial Pursuit, the Family Edition. This is a kids and adults type of game. The category is considered kids party trivia. And the mechanisms that are built in it are rolling or spinning, and we have dice games, so that's awesome and really moving your player. Now, the description for BGG, because this is one of a lot of Trivial Pursuits is, like Trivial Pursuit, 
but you have both senior and junior, adults and kids, questions in different boxes so the whole family can play. Now, this game is really kind of an awesome and fun game for me because my kids have learned to read better by reading the cards. And they've learned really interesting facts about our world in all the trivial pursuit categories. The fun part is I haven't had to sit there and try to answer simple questions like, who is SpongeBob's best friend? Or Florida is where? Stuff like that. They actually have difficult adult questions. And I'm pretty good at trivia, but I've missed a lot of questions in this. So it is fun that you can be fallible, that your kids can see that you don't know everything, like they don't know everything, and you have a good time. We have actually used this game to solve family arguments, like where are we going to eat or what do we guys want to have for dinner? And on a Saturday afternoon, all the kids will look at me and I'll, I'll look at them and I'll say, all right, what do you want to have for dinner? Let's play a game of Trivial Pursuit. Whoever wins, wins. I will guarantee you. Our eight-year-old is one, our 10-year-old is one, our 15-year-old is one, our 21-year-old has one, I have one, and I'm not, and I'm over 50. I'm not giving you my wife's age, but she can't be, she wouldn't be able to contribute to this podcast, wink, wink, but she has also played this game and won. It is a great game to play, and what's great about it, if you don't want to take the, play the game, you can take the cards with you when you're going on that trip, and you can ask questions while you're driving. I want to tell you, I had the most fun learning a lot, a lot about board games in this podcast, and I'm really looking forward to having multiple more board game podcasts to go along with this. So until next time, thank you. And again, I apologize for being too late. We'll have a new one coming real soon.